This is the Orville Christian Church Podcast. Each week, you'll find content that helps you take your next step closer to Jesus. Join us online at orville.church slash live. Man, I'm feeling a little lonely up here now. All these rows are empty. I kind of liked it when we were in COVID because we would, you know, bring people up to the front row and I, you know, had some friends. But anyway... We are so glad that you're here today. We had a fantastic week at Adventure Camp, uh, Monday through Wednesday night. It was a little damp, but we didn't let that dampen our spirits, all right? I just wanna give a special thanks to our Adventure Camp leadership team, Tiffany Omstutz, Jackie Conway, Lori Ebert, Autumn Mankins, Shonda Mast, Liz Schold, Desi Schaub, Tim and Chrissy Snyder, and Missy Vipperman. You guys are the best. And uh, thank you so much for your investment. One of our core values here at OCC is the next generation. We invest in youth and families. And Adventure Camp is, is one of the ways we do that. If you have children or grandchildren, nieces or nephews from birth all the way up through college, we would love to have them connect with our next gen ministry. Now, in addition, to celebrating Adventure Camp today, we are starting a brand new series of messages called Doing Good. We're gonna be walking through a book of the Bible called Titus. And uh, I want us to go ahead and turn there uh, together now, if you would, with me, to the book of Titus. If you do not have a copy of God's Word, we have free copies in the Next Step area in the back of this room. Or if you're joining us online, just let us know you need a copy and we will send you one through the mail. You can also download a digital version of the Bible by using the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or tablet. Titus is a short little book in the New Testament. Maybe you're having a little hard time finding it, but it only has three chapters and uh, 46 total verses. But don't let the size mislead you when it comes to its significance. Dynamite comes in small packages, right? This book is a, is a little giant because it's packed with so many good things for the church. Titus is a part of what's called the pastoral epistles. It consists of three volumes, 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus. They're called the pastoral epistles because these are letters addressing mainly pastors and elders in the church and instructing them on how they and the church ought to conduct themselves. We have a new Bible reading plan available today that includes reading through the pastoral epistles. You can pick one up at the Next Step area in the back or you can download it at orville.church slash doing good. Titus was on the ministry team of the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul had left Titus in a place called Crete. Crete is south of Greece, it's an island, and Paul had begun a work there. But now, Paul is giving Titus the assignment to finish the work that he had started. We've chosen the title Doing Good for this series because this is the dominant theme of Titus. On eight different occasions, this phrase, doing good, occurs in some form. And it just so happens that this series is going to be eight messages. Doing good is important for any church, but particularly in the context of Titus. This was new church work. In fact, one of the things Titus is instructed to do is appoint elders in every town on the island of Crete. 
And that indicates these are new churches. You know, over the years, I've had the opportunity of being involved in new church work. Back in 2000, I got to be a part of a team that planted a new church on the northwest side of Philadelphia in Royersford, Pennsylvania. From there, my wife and I moved to Des Moines, Iowa, where we served in a newer church. The church was about five years old when we came. And most recently, I was a part of a management team for a new church in the Columbus area. But here's what I know about new church work. And that is, it is hard work. New churches are difficult to get off the ground. There's a certain art and science to planning and leading a new church. And the book of Titus gives us a recipe, if you will, for what is important for any church, but especially new churches. Now, for some of you that have been around here for a while, you know that OCC is not a new church. In fact, OCC is 119 years old this year. We have a long and rich history. But as we come out of COVID, I think we need to think more like a new church because a lot has changed. COVID has accelerated a number of things, namely our online capabilities. And because of that, we have an opportunity to sort of restart as we consider how to do church in a post-COVID world. Here's the basic outline of Titus. It's this, chapter one talks about right leadership in the church. That's huge. Chapter two, right living in the church. And chapter three, right living in society. And throughout the three chapters, the focus is on doing good. Leaders that do good. And followers of Jesus that do good. Inside and outside the church. In chapter one, verse 12, Paul writes this. He says, one of Crete's own prophets has said it. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. And Paul says in the very next verse, this saying is true. Imagine that being a description of the place where you're trying to establish new churches. The people are liars. They're deceivers. They are evil brutes. They're rebellious. And they're lazy gluttons. They lie on the couch all day watching YouTube and eating Twinkies. Right? I mean, what a glowing reputation this island had, huh? Well, the Cretans not only needed to know the truth, they needed to see the truth lived out in the life of the church. They needed the church to set an example of doing good. And the same is true today in Orville and Wayne County. And so I I want us to jump into this. Uh, I want to talk today about God's vision for your life and my life. And we're going to see this in the first few verses here in Titus 1, as it is illustrated in the life of the Apostle Paul. I want you to imagine this like a Polaroid picture. Anyone remember the old Polaroid cameras where the picture would actually come out of the camera? You know, those were the days, huh? but you couldn't see the picture at first, right? You had to wait. Uh, Maybe you waved it right in the air to kind of speed up the process. And then after a minute or so, the picture would develop and it would come into full view. Well, I think that is really an illustration for our faith. 
I'm not sure where everyone is on their spiritual journey today. Maybe your kids dragged you here against your will because of adventure camp. Or, or maybe you're a seasoned follower of Jesus. Wherever you're at, the Polaroid picture of your faith is still developing. We're all at different stages and hopefully we're all growing. But today, God wants to give you a vision. He wants to give you a vision of what that picture could be and should be as you take your next step toward Jesus. God's vision for your life is summed up in three words. Here they are. Ministry, message, and mission. God has a ministry, a message, and a mission for each one of us. I want us to start reading in Titus 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. The first thing we see here is the apostle Paul's ministry. His ministry was twofold. He describes it in general terms and then in a more specific, unique way. Paul was first and foremost a servant of God. A servant of God is someone who out of their own free will gives themselves, gives themselves up to God in his will. And Paul captures this idea in other verses in the Bible. For example, in Galatians 2.20, Paul writes this, he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I no longer live? <laughs> I mean, that, that's totally opposite of today's prevailing wisdom, isn't it? We're encouraged to pursue our dreams. Life is all about me. Do what feels good to you. This is your life. But if you're a follower of Jesus, like Paul, you are not your own. Life is not about you, it's about God. Instead of asking, what do I want for my life? We ask, what does Jesus want for my life? We are servants of God. But Paul also says he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. This was Paul's special or unique ministry. In fact, this special ministry of an apostle is no longer active today because no one living today fits the qualifications. The, the apostles actually saw Jesus. They witnessed his ministry. He gave them supernatural powers to do miracles. Like the prophets in the Old Testament, the apostles were God's mouthpiece to communicate his message to the world. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.20 that the church is built on the foundation of who? The apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Through the Holy Spirit, the apostle Paul was one of those large stones in the foundation of the church. He was given words from God to encourage and, and teach the church. In the last part of the Bible, the New Testament, in which Titus is a part, it exists today because people like Paul followed the vision God had for their lives. But Paul here is stating his credentials. 
as an apostle to give Titus the apostolic authority he needed to put things in order in Crete. Titus was commissioned by the apostle Paul. He was his delegate and that had clout. That meant what Titus was about to do had Paul's backing and support and Titus needed that. But just like Paul had a general ministry as a servant of God and also a unique ministry as an apostle, we too are servants of God in a general sense, but we also have a unique ministry as well. What has God specifically called and equipped you to do? What is your ministry? One way to discover that is to consider your shape. You have a a God-given shape, a fingerprint that is unlike any other person in the world. Think about that. That word shape is an acronym. Here's what it stands for, spiritual gifts. See, God has equipped you to serve in at least one ministry. Heart, God has infused you with a passion for something. Something that makes your heart beat fast your passion. Abilities. God has given you various talents and abilities. Personality. God has wired you in a certain way. Maybe you're a people person or, or, or maybe not. You didn't mind the COVID quarantine, right? And then experiences. God has permitted you to experience different things, good and bad in your life. And he wants to use that to serve others. These five factors they, they shape you for a specific ministry and through that, you're able to do the good God created you to do. Doing good begins with ministry. It's part of God's vision for your life that like Paul, you would be a servant of God and use your God-given shape to serve others. Well, secondly, not only is God's vision involved ministry, but it also involves a message. I want you to look at Titus 1, verses 1 through 3. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and which now, at his appointed season... He is brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. Okay, so what is this message Paul was entrusted to preach? Well, in a nutshell, it's the truth of the gospel. And this truth is so important. It's that Jesus died, was buried, and came back to life three days later. It's the death, burial, and bodily resurrection of Jesus. This is the truth that leads to godliness and to doing good. Look at what Jesus said of himself. He said, I am the way and the what? The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. And it's only through him that we can be reconciled to God and have the hope of eternal life that Paul mentions here. But you know, this truth has fallen on hard times today. I don't know if you realize this, but the number of people that believe the Bible is actually God's word 
and that Jesus is the way to heaven, you could fit all of the Americans that believe those two things into the state of New York. It's a very small percentage of people. And that percentage is dropping. Because in our culture, see, you can make up your own truth. If your truth is two plus two equals five, then so be it. But what's sad is, the only truth that is usually not tolerated or accepted is God's truth. That which is actually true is either denied or dismissed. I want you to notice what the text says. It says, the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised. See, God tells the truth. He never lies. You can count on him. See, this is what our society needs. It's what the people in Crete needed. Remember, they were always liars. There was no truth. Imagine living like that. No one can be trusted. But Paul is saying, we have the truth of the gospel and it comes from a God that does not lie. What he says, he will do. You know, at Adventure Camp this week, we learned about Noah. God promised Noah that he would never destroy the earth again with a flood. And the sign for that is the rainbow. Every time we see a rainbow in the sky, it reminds us of God's promise that he tells the truth, that we can trust him. We memorized a Bible verse at Adventure Camp this week. We already said it, but I want to say it again. It's Hebrews 10.23. Read it with me from the screen. Let us hold firmly to the hope that we have confessed. We can trust God to do what he promised. And because of that, we have hope. See, the truth of the gospel provides hope now and for eternity. You've probably heard the statement, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hold on. But what if, you're, what if you tie a knot and hold on and then your rope breaks? You know, maybe, maybe you're in a situation today that is desperate. Uh, your finances are falling apart. Your family is dissolving or your health is broken, what do you do? Well, you believe and trust in the truth, even when your rope breaks, because the truth can bring hope. I love this verse in Romans 8, 28. It's a great promise. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Even when the rope breaks, See, God's vision for your life and my life is that we would embrace this message of truth and hope and that we would believe it and live it. See, if there's one thing our world needs right now, it's truth and hope. And that truth and hope is ultimately found in Jesus. This is our message. But then finally, God's vision for your life also has a mission. Paul continues in Titus 1, verses 4 and 5. He says, to Titus, my true son, 
in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Savior. The reason I left you in Crete, Titus, was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. I think these verses summarize Paul's MO. Paul had evidently led Titus to faith. He calls him his true son. And I'm sure Paul had helped Titus mature in his faith. And now Titus is being commissioned by Paul to do the same to even appoint elders who would lead the church. There's a spiritual reproduction happening here. The mission is to reproduce Jesus in others, people that would serve and lead the church. It's interesting that throughout Paul's writing in the Bible, he mentions 76 different people by name that were on his ministry team. Maybe you can do that as an assignment this week. Read all of Paul's letters. There's 13 of them in the Bible. See if you can find 76 different people he mentions by name. But Titus was one of those 76. But these were 76 people that over time Paul had invested in, 76 people that were serving Christ and creating a movement of making and multiplying disciples. You know, in the sports world, they talk about the coaching tree of various successful coaches. For example, one of the best football coaches of all time is Bill Belichick. And Mr. Bill here, he used to coach the Browns. Maybe you remember that back in the mid-90s. But now he coaches the New England Patriots. He has seven Super Bowl rings five as head coach of the Patriots. And his mentor in coaching was Bill Parcells. And now Belichick is mentoring other coaches, many of whom have become head coaches of other teams. Guys like Ohio State's own Mike Vrabel, and also one of the most successful college football coaches of all time, Nick Saban. Man, it's, it's an extensive and impressive list, but Belichick has trained others to coach football and to do it well. Well, the Apostle Paul did a similar thing, not with football, but with the most important mission of all, and that is making and multiplying followers of Jesus. He trained people like Titus to serve and lead and to do it well. That was his mission in life. And, and we're gonna get a front row seat over the next seven weeks of how Paul coached Titus. And through that, he's gonna coach us as well. God's vision for your life is that you would mentor and disciple others in the faith that you would have your own coaching tree of Christ followers and that they would also pour into others as well. You know, Jesus, as we look at his life, we see that he invested most of all into just three men over a three-year period. And they were Peter, James, and John. Jesus invested in them. And that investment literally changed the world. In fact, it's, it's still being felt today, right? Now think about this, if, if each of us, if each of us were to follow Jesus's example and do what he did over a three year period 
And then the three that we poured into would turn around and do the same with three others and so on. It wouldn't take long for the city of Orville and Wayne County as a whole to be transformed by Christ. In fact, if just 12 of us here today, just 12 of us would commit to this, nearly 80,000 people would come to know and follow Jesus in the next 25 years. I mean, you talk about a vision. This is God's vision for you. God has a ministry, a message, and a mission for each one of us. That, that's the vision, the Polaroid picture that God wants to develop in your life. No matter where you're at today, you can take a next step to making this vision become a reality. We'd love to connect with you about that. We have a next step area in the back of this room. Please stop by on your way out. In fact, there's a resource back there about mentoring. And there's also information about how you can serve in our church and in the community. Man, we, we wanna help you take your next step toward Jesus and God's vision for your life. Let me pray for you now. Father, thank you for your word and thank you so much for the example of the apostle Paul and how we can look at his life and how it illustrates the vision that you have for each one of us. God, it might look different. It might express itself differently. But God, these are the kind of the three hooks that you have given us to, to hang our lives on. God, help us to, to know what our ministry is. Help us to know and to live the message. And God, send us out on a mission as we make other followers of you. And God, I pray for the person here in this service maybe or, or that's watching online who does not know you. They're seeking. Oh, Father, I pray. I pray that they would continue seeking and God, even in this moment today, you would just reveal yourself to them that you are the one true God, the God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ and that you love them so much that you sent your son to pay the penalty that we deserved so that we might have life, new life. God, thank you for that gift that you promised even before the beginning of time. Wow. Father, minister to us in these moments as we continue our worship in Jesus' name, amen.